Hello, everyone, and welcome to a jam-packed Grip Lock. I'm your host, Hunter, joined as always by Trevor. Connor's out of the office today. We've got, I mean, we got so much to talk through. There's a lot. We're going to kick it off with a Patreon question of the week. Worlds just announced it's going to Europe. There is a huge off-season movement week with a bunch of people leaving, a bunch of people re-signing. There is an update, an unexpected update on the um, PDGA policy of I forget what it's called, basically gender uh, divisions with Natalie Ryan. We have All-Star Weekend details were announced. The Old World Fandom Survey came out. All that stuff's ahead of you, but first we're going to have a quick word from our sponsor. All right, let's hop into this Patreon question of the week. If you're not sure where Patreon question of the week comes from, we have a weekly Patreon podcast called the Heiser Club Mailbag at patreon.com slash foundationdiscoff. You can find all the information and more you want over there, plus a bunch of behind-the-scenes content, um, exclusive monthly videos, all kinds of fun stuff. You can find all that over there. So this one actually wasn't asked during the mailbag because it was submitted late, but I thought it was a pretty good question. So it came from Luke, and he said, in your guys' opinion, what disc has the most inaccurate flight numbers? Mm. Could even just be a, a plastic type that flies nothing like a number say. I mean, I picked up a gateway disc once that had like a seven turn, positive seven turn. That one was interesting. Do you remember what the disc was? No, I don't remember what it was. It had like a lot of glide too i want to say it had like double digits glide Dag on yeah flight numbers can be anything you want um i know what i heard you say the felon man the felon's up there because it doesn't have any negative it doesn't have any turn but then in actuality it has turn um i think the raptor at times can go in that category too what is the raptor though like i don't even nine four nine five zero three yeah it's a zero three yeah the raptor is I would I would argue the Raptor though like Raptor you know, flight numbers here's the thing nine four zero three the problem is here's the problem Hunter the Firebird is also a zero three the felon is a positive point five four nine three positive point five four is the is the Firebird a zero three or zero four zero three okay so the the problem is like uh, but I've never had a Firebird flip up on me right no I'm just saying like. The Firebird's really overstable, and they gave it a fade of three. Nine, three, zero, four. And Sorry, I, think I have that, this flipped. They gave it okay, a fade of four. Okay, even four, even four. Same point. They We started off, flight numbers are so weird because they're, they weren't created on a one-to-something scale. We don't really know. Like, everybody just adapted this idea of what flight numbers are. They need to be just redone, I think, uh, because you started out, the Firebird's an early disc, and they gave it a four fade. Why doesn't it have an eight fade? Because now there's only there's only four. Basically, we operate on a scale of one to four on fade now. There's this that fade more than a Firebird. There, okay, but even maybe one to five. You don't think, ever see a six fade. I don't have a problem with the Felon or the Raptor having a three fade. I just think I'm I just have saying, a problem with the zero or the positive it, turn. It would have been easier had we given ourselves a bigger scale to work on. Yeah. I think we'd get in a lot less arguments about flight numbers and like say they're so crazy if every single number was just one to ten so every everything could operate the felons like the way it's supposed to now i know there's some <laughs> like chameleon felons and stuff that are very very overstable. And glide probably shouldn't even be a flight number but honestly. the felons that i've thrown in that hurt me were like i would have been okay with a nine five negative one three i would have said that's fair that makes sense. Yeah. But it's when you have the zero or the positive point five. That's the, just, the that positive turn is when I start to get really confused. And it's crazy, too, because, like, right now, yeah, like, right now, you obviously speed goes anywhere from 1 to 14. Is there 15 speeds? Surely somewhere. Probably. Maybe the rampage or something. Um, And then you have glide. Glide, you really only ever see between, like, 
two and seven. Like those are like pretty characteristic. It's just it's weird. And like turn, you're never going to see more than a negative five or high, I don't even know what positive turn even means. That's not even like possible. So flight numbers it means are, it starts its fade earlier. <laughs> yeah, flight numbers are weird. Like I don't know because like and they don't really do justice to like high speed versus low speed stability because like certain discs. Yeah, I don't know. Most inaccurate flight numbers though. I the Raptor is a bit confusing. I would say some discs like are confusing because they start out a certain way. Like the Beast is a negative two two. But a brand new champ beast is going to fly pretty stable. There's a lot of N of a ones that like. But it's like as soon as you beat in a beast, it's like then it reveals its turn, which is really weird. There's a lot of N of because like this, uh, you can get a champ sidewinder, champ roadrunner that like they also yeah, aren't nearly as flippy as you think they'd right. be. Yeah. So I'm going to just say all discs have inaccurate flight numbers. All How about of that? Them. Yeah. So they, well, one disc, if you you can have your pick of one disc has accurate flight numbers, mm-hmm. any disc in the world you can pick that, but then the rest of them are inaccurate. Yeah, none of them scale correctly. Yeah, I would. I think it'd be it'd be funny to. And do, then I guess that one disc within certain runs is also inaccurate. It'd be funny to write an article or like do a whole like uh, news piece where like you study each company's flight numbers and try to like figure out their process and like talk to them and like get it get a grip on what each company's flight number system looks like and how it's operating because obviously everybody everybody like if i'm at dynamic disc and i come out with a new disc i'm not going to be like hmm let me go find a firebird to figure out what flight numbers no you're going to grab another dynamic disc so like you're everything is well, i think relative. some of it is just like you text the pros and say Hey, what do you think this flies like? This prototype we just sent you. What, <laughs> yeah. what, what flight numbers Copy, did you give it? Paste. It's a little more stable than Firebird. Oh, okay. Add plus one to this. <laughs> like, you no, know, dude. You know what? They need to start. Uh, we need to get attachments for our disc. Imagine if you had a, a ring that could overmold that snapped on and it gave you plus one fade. There you go. And then we can start giving flight numbers to the attachments. <laughs> <laughs> this get it's like an it's a an uh, a modifier attachment. You know, it'd be fun. <laughs> this could be like an Instagram series where we like order or like over the course of a year every restock we get of a certain mold we keep like two from yeah and then we like end of the year take them all out and like the whole premise would be like we tested 25 destroyers to yeah. see how close they all fly to each other right oh my gosh it'd be hilarious and like throughout because it's just like yeah. these were all manufactured like these were all ordered this and year they're companies- all the same plastic and they're all 174 grams yeah certain certain discs and certain companies would be like they would all fly very similar and then others like a destroyer would be like i think it'd be very interesting to see what would be the most inconsistent disc that we would have i think the nuke would be up there I think the faster, the faster, yeah. the more that like I think don't the, plays into it because like a mid and a putter, it's just not going to get that. No, crazy. I think the it's distance drivers. fast rims that have a little bit of turn. Yeah, that's so what I'm any like if it gets to like too flippy, then it's going to be consistently flippy. Right, it's like ones that have a little turn and fade. So like a new crank, the destroyer, <laughs> cranks would be crank, all over the place. Uh, trespass, I've even had some trespasses yeah. burn me. Enforcers, yeah, like any any of that stuff. D ones. Oh gosh, don't even get me started on Prodigy, man. <laughs> ah, it turns out that one was a D four. I think. I think <laughs> yeah, they stamped a D one. D one. Although I will say the last the new ones, ones they still sent good. Me were, the new were, ones. Feel yeah, the good. last ones they sent me were all. They all flew accurately. I sp- I'm speaking from pain of 2017 yeah. Hunter trying to find a D one that's overstable. We've been through a lot. We've been through yeah. a lot. What happened to my TMZ hat? 
I don't know. Mine's right here. Oh, they're both right here. Thank goodness, dude. That was close. I don't think we need it for this episode. You don't think so? No, I don't okay. think so. We got all facts. All right, let's get over into a big announcement in the disc golf world. The 2025 PDGA Whose Majors. Whose question was that, by the way? Luke. What up, Luke? The 2025 PDGA Majors have been announced, and the big thing here is the PDGA World Championships is headed to Europe, mm -hmm. to Finland specifically. So Pro Worlds is headed to Europe. 2025 PGA Pro World Championships will be headed, held in Nokia and Tampere. I think is how you pronounce it. Tampere, something like that. Very Finland. Good. So the longtime European Open director, UC Maresma, is working with the cities of Nokia and Tampere in Finland, along with the Finnish Disc Golf Association, to bring for the first time PGA Pro Worlds to Europe. The event is sure to be a memorable experience for athletes and fans alike. The proposed courses are the Beast. Memorable for like half the athletes. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. The, the Beast, which is the one used for the European Open, and the Tampere Disc Golf Center in Tampere. These two courses will provide a fantastic stage for what should be an exciting 2025 Worlds. Um, so now, we're looking at a triple major now this year, that year? No no fourth major? No, there is a fourth major. So down okay. here, um, where is the explanation? So additionally, with the Pro Worlds being played at the, Be the Beast in Tampere in 2025, the European Open will not be hosted the same year. Instead, the traditional European PGA Major will take place in Tallinn, Estonia at the Tallinn Song Festival grounds, um, which that's the host right now of the European Championship in 2023. I just hate when like... So they're moving the European Open. I'm fine with that. Now, Brody got very like read every word as literal. So in Brody's head, the European Open will not exist and Brody thinks they're calling this the European PDGA Major. How I read it is basically the European Open won't be hosted. This it, it wasn't the last sentence that they will be moving the European Open. No, so instead the traditional European PDGA Major will take place in Tallinn, Estonia. So how, how I read it is like the European Open's not going to happen. They're just going to have a different major in Europe. Yeah, they should just call it the European Open, and then they should just always rotate the European well, Open. Well, so right now it's the host of this this grounds is the host of the European Championships. Right. I would imagine that's just what they call it. They just make the European Championships we, a major. Yeah, but Brody oh just gosh. Brody was very funny because a lot of his hot take was he was like the Euro, the traditional European PDGA major is just an awful name, and I was like, I don't think that's that. what they're going with. Well, they did call an event the Florida Open for a little. Nope, chess.com now, well, man. For a little bit, they 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 thought about it. They did Here, think about it. Here's the thing, I I hate first of all, gosh, I hate this whole like insert new major thing like. Now we're going to have to be like, oh, yeah, European Championships was a major that year. It's like how we have to think about that Eagle McMahon one. Which one was that? What did Kona Pichet. Kona Pichet. Like, oh, yeah, Kona Pichet was a major that year. Like, I, I hate that. Yeah, it sucks. I wish they would just, just and they might still, but just like. Just make it the, just European, make it the European Open. It's, it's still in Europe. It's still, it's still in Europe. Works. It's still kind of an open. <laughs> Not really. Um, Like, yeah, just, just do that. We better You better tread carefully on this subject, though, because, you know, you're in some hot water. People are calling you anti-Europe. Yeah, let me just read. <laughs> I'll just read my tweet. You are calling you anti-Finland. And then people got very upset over this, which was which I is mean, pretty funny because I think it's a pretty obvious like knee-jerk take. Pretty funny. That like makes a lot of sense to me. Um, So this was my initial take here. And I'm going to just read you exactly what my tweet said. Okay? So I'm not going to add any context to it. Yeah. Because I think I'll my be, tweet said everything. I'll be the consumer. It says... So this, I just quote tweeted where the PDGA announced that the world is going to Europe. I said, what are your thoughts on this? Obviously makes sense to eventually have worlds be a global thing. But currently when an event goes to Europe, the strength of field goes way down due to lack of U.S. talent being able to travel. Is that something we want for our world title? 
That was it. That was the tweet. I think that seems like a reasonable question to pose to the people. They, now, they all react. Everybody reacted like pretty calm to that, right? And like they were like, now, yeah, Hunter, that's an interesting Well, question. But the question I have for you, Trevor, is when you heard me say our world title, did you take it that I meant the U.S.'s world title? I thought you meant like ours is, and you're talking about me and you. Like it's our world title. <laughs> <laughs> See, like, because when I wrote that tweet, the whole tweet's about the disc golf world title. Yeah. So I meant like our as a sport I've, world title. Do we no, want dude. the world championship? This is basically the, the question I was trying to ask is, do we want the world championship, this, the event that has the title is the biggest prestige, the like should be yeah. the hardest thing to win For in the, the world. For the sport of disc golf. For the sport of disc golf. <laughs> do we want that title to go to Europe this early in the sport when historically that means that yeah. as of this year the european open was basically a bottom of the chain pro tour event field you don't have wise. to explain yourself to me i think it makes total i'm more explaining it yeah. to the audience Listen, now it makes the the qualm here this will be a we know it'll be a fantastically run tournament probably better it'll than probably be one a of the lot most of the world well attended world it'll championships be really ever. well attended it'll be a success in that right but the only point here is like the European open field is weak, especially the FPO field. Like, oh, the FPO like field. I didn't sad, even mention the FPO field. Like sad week. Like there's barely anybody there. And now if the point of if the point of the world title, uh, if, if if not only that, but now if we have two majors in the season that have fields that are really weak because and it's because players can't afford to get over to Europe, um, then like that to me is not good. Like we want to see like that just seems so. That would seem so bizarre to me that we have half of the majors in 2025, and there, this is obviously still a year, two years away. So you know, maybe things change. More players are able to get over. Maybe you know, maybe the PDGA charters a jet. They are good guys. They do that. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, that's the only question. I know we have a lot of listeners from from Finland and and elsewhere across the pond. And and I like I said, I'm not coming after the tournament or anything like that. I'm happy for you. Happy for you, but I'm a little nervous about the strength of field. And Hunter, give him the stat. Come on, okay. Give it so to him. for MPO, the World Championships 2023 was the number one strength of field at 96.8. What's second place? Second place was USDGC at 81.3. That's that is monumental. It was the highest strength of field by a significant margin over USDGC. And then European Opens 15th below. Pretty much the entire Pro Tour. The only two main, only there's three main Pro Tour events below it: the Portland Open, DDO, and OTB Open, and then obviously the Pro Tour Championship. But that's an invite only, so we kind of you can exclude that. Right. Those are the only main Pro Tour events below it because the rest are silvers mm-hmm. uh, at 64.8 yeah. points. Now, how Satmando con- conducts the points, you know, who knows? How does anyone? But it's in a in bottom sport, tier Pro Tour strength. It's of field. a bottom tier Pro Tour strength of field. Um, the closest major to it is Champions Cup at 68. But Champions Cup also wasn't super well attended because if you remember that whole, uh, um, what you call, registration debacle when like a <laughs> yeah. bunch of people couldn't register. I was like, yeah, what happened there? Yeah, oh, yeah people didn't register. Now, on FPO side, it looks a little Just different. Just a reminder to all you pros, make sure to register for Champions Cup next on year. On FPO side, it looks a little different. So you had the U.S. Women's was the highest major in third place at 453 PDJ Worlds was right below it at 45.08. So basically they were tied, those two majors. The strongest was the MVP Open at 50 points. Interesting. Um, and then oh. Throw Pink Women's was also higher. Hmm. Um, I think there's something there. And then um, <laughs> if you jump down, European Open is 23rd on Oof. FPO's list at 23.6. So what that is basically exactly half the strength of field of Worlds here. Yeah. 
So that's my qualm with it is worlds being a global thing. I mean, it's been in Canada before worlds being a global thing all about it. It makes sense. We're titling something, gonna, the world championships. I'm yeah. all for that. But, but my question is, is it too soon? We're going to have half the majors are going to be in Europe and they're both going to be close together. A different problem I have. Here's, um, and so is it my, that was my whole question is like, is that too soon? Because historically, whenever a major has gone to Europe, whenever anything's gone to Europe, sure. The main top guys travel. Absolutely. But you miss a chunk of the field and you replace them with players that statistically, not opinion, statistically are not as high quality players. I, That's um, just stats. Let's well, let's think about it. This the good news is obviously that most of the players that could win will be there. But I don't think Gannon went to Europe last year. Um, Dickerson a lot of times isn't there. Like it'd be interesting to see some of those guys who haven't gone. Yeah, in the and past the and the argument that was coming after me was Worlds will take more people over there, which I agree with. Yeah, surely Gannon's not going to miss Worlds, but a player who's willing to miss a major. Are they also well, willing to miss Worlds? All we have right now is precedent, right? Like, this is all we're going off of. I, may, yeah, maybe everybody finds a... Maybe there's bake sales nationwide, and people pay find a way to pay for their tickets, and that's that. GoFundMe's whatever, and that's great and all. It's just, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch. And, you know, sometimes Worlds does generate a winner that, like, you know, a Greg Barsby or a James Conrad that were a little further down the totem pole. Um... So, like, yeah, you'd hate to see a guy who was maybe a fringe player that didn't go, and that was maybe going to be his weekend. You never know. Yeah. Well, I mean, we just saw Corey Ellis win the European Open this year. Oh, no, you never and know. that's a player who, like— I will say this. If Paul McBeth can get healthy, he's going to have back-to-back worlds at courses he likes. Yeah, that's very true. But, like, Corey Ellis, that's a player who won the European Open this year that, name-wise, it wouldn't have surprised you if he didn't travel to the European Open this year. Like, it wouldn't have been a shock if, if Corey Ellis wasn't on the list of players that went to the European Open. Yes, there he won. And he just won at the course his 2025 Worlds will be. So, it's like, it's, it's not unheard of for a player a little bit. Now, Corey Ellis, you know, he put himself in contention multiple times. But he's not like a Calvin Heimberg, Ricky Wysocki, Eagle McMahon type guy. Yeah. So, personally. That's that. I think the PDGA should charter a plane. Here's what I think. I think we should all call for them. to Everybody, let's. I think if just a few dollars of our PDGA membership, you know, went towards a big jumbo jet, then we can get our guys over there. Here's what my opinion is, is I think that a lot of people at the PDGA would agree with everything I just said, but I think their hands were tied because it wouldn't surprise me if this was the only world's bid they got. Knowing what we know about uh, world's bids in the past and the lack thereof, uh, I mean, a lot of people were like, how did Nate Heinold get worlds to to New London and getting all these... Listen, guys, there wasn't much to pick from. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there's a very real chance. Like, there's all I'll say is there's a very real chance that this Europe was the only bid. It's a, there's a very real chance. Yeah. Or the only credible bid. Yeah. Or, or like the other bid was us, you know, because we bid every year, but we just <laughs> never get it. Yeah. Peaksview Park, they just don't want it for some reason. So, that's my opinion. Is I think the event will be very well spectated i think it'll be ran better than most majors i think that the players who are there will have a fantastic experience i think it's all around it's going to be an incredible event my only question was is it too soon based on the stats we have of strength of field maybe brody can put us in his overhead luggage that's my name and we can get out no there. i think i mean i would love to go i also the other thing that worries me is you see having the majors not spread out 
I don't like when two majors are really close. And oh yeah, wait a second. They're trying to make both the European ones close they're together. They're gonna they're gonna stay over in Europe, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I even. So I would imagine it'll be yeah, because we, surely we can't be asking the players to go take two. They'll trips. probably be within a month of each other. Oh, but gosh. what that also will mean oh, is the U.S. tour during that month span is just going to be if there's any full pro tour scheduled during that month, it's going to be the weakest pro tour field of all time. We're the pro tour Europe now. Yeah, they'll just be showing up. The, and, it's the European Pro Tour. Yeah, and then on top of all of that, too, currently I believe it's like 70-some percent of DGN subscribers, which covers live disc golf, is U.S.-based. So that's the other thing you have to think of, too, is like sponsorship activations are worth way less if you're dealing with 30% of the audience. The 30% of 6,000 people watching live is not a lot. Morning. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my opinions on it. Um not anti-Europe. Not anti-Europe by any means. We I think it's just a little too soon. Finland, guys. I think it's a little too soon. I'm also, I, European Open's my favorite event that happens every year. Yeah, Hunter actually uses a Nokia phone. Like, he's a big Finland yep. guy. Yeah. It's a brick. Uh, big off-season movement week. I think I have them all listed, but... Okay. Um, I haven't heard of all of these, so... We'll see. So, some of them I just added this morning because I just saw them. Okay. First off, Ben Calloway has re-signed with Discraft for the upcoming season. In his post... It seemed like he kind of wanted to shop himself around a little bit, but landed back at Discraft. I think there's a lot of players this year, from what I'm, the chatter I'm hearing, is like a lot of players are like, yeah, I'll shop around. And then they walk. It's like it, you walk into a grocery store right at, right as they have announced a winter storm's coming, and there's no bread, there's no milk. It looks like an apocalypse. That's the free agency market. And then they ran straight back to their manufacturer. Yeah, because the way he worded it was like he was signing with the tour team again, and he said he like put a lot of time, energy, thought, consideration into this something along those lines yeah. and decided because the, the tough part is like ben calloway was a guy who a few years ago was on the elite team he so was like on the up and up he's gotten he really he's season. gotten the tour series discs he's yeah. gotten like he's seen that type of revenue he's before Ledgestone, though. and it's uh you know the tour team versus elite series revenue i think looks a lot different yeah. then erica stinchcomb re-signed with thought space and infinite andrew fish re-signed with discraft robert burridge Back with Lone Star. Now Lone's I had a, a source. I so apparently, I don't think I was fully wrong. Oh, okay. We got because, an update on the story. Well, because I was, if you remember, I said I thought he was leaving, and all of that, and then he ended up not leaving. I was like, man, I must have just like made it up in my head. Is what I yeah. thought. But then someone said, not you. The rumor is that Lone Star, like he basically was leaving Lone Star. Yeah. But I think kind of what you had said. Yeah. He ended up accepting I'm a smaller contract to stay at There's Lone Star. a lot of guys that went out there like, oh. So I think I had heard during that middle part of like, oh, he's gone. And then yeah. he was like, ah. I'm scared for Chandler Crane. back. Scared for him. Um, is he on your list? No, I haven't heard yet. <laughs> well, well he's him. gone. Have to sign him. Um, but he, I His haven't heard yet. His hair has to change to our colors though. There we go. We got to have half black, <laughs> half gold here. Yeah. Uh, Chris Clemens has announced he's leaving DD. That was obviously after we had the TMZ hats on last week talking about his RV was at Discraft. Yep. So assuming that's where he's going, Chandler Fry has made the decision to leave Discraft. So he's uh, gone from Discraft. Only and enough then room for one C-named guy. Tristan Tanner has left Latitude 64. So that's all that happened last week. A lot of people left, a lot of question marks. We should have all of that stuff start to be answered in January. Tristan Tanner's like the king of leading a major after one round. Best player to ever do it. <laughs> like You will look at that leaderboard and see Tristan Tanner's name, and, and then you'll watch him on cover and be like, this guy's going to, he should win everything, and then the next round will fall apart. That's Tristan Tanner for me. 
That makes sense. <laughs> he's got a sick logo, though. Well, it's also his haircut, like his new look out there. He's a good-looking was, guy. It was intimidating this year. Let's go, Tristan. Because he he used to have like curly hair, right? I think so. And then out of nowhere, he just so went he with left the fade. Latitude, probably to go to like cast. They're probably just spreading around their assets at this point. I don't know. I've he's heard. I've to... heard that House of Discs doesn't want to move people internally. Okay. I've heard that. Interesting. We'll find out this offseason if that what I heard is true or not. Yeah. yeah um, if we see a single internal move. Yeah. Then obviously that's not true. It. But it'll be it'll be interesting to see what all happens. And then obviously the Eagle McMahon rumor has picked up more and more steam. But it seems like a lot of people are really leaning into he's going to Innova, which will be very interesting it. to see. I absolutely love it. Everybody to Innova, baby. Yeah. Bring back the dream teams of the early 2000s. It'll be very interesting to see if he ends up at Innova. Six the other rumor that is picking up steam is that Gannon Burr staying at Prodigy. And why this rumor is picking up steam is because he's he's still bidding on rare prodigy discs on Facebook. <laughs> so it, he he's still bidding and buying. Now he could just be a diehard prodigy no, collector. I'm gonna say, yeah, okay. So when Alden joined the Discmania collectors, that pretty much in my mind locked him in there. If Gannon, as of right now. Is and I was very adamant about him leaving because I think it's still very silly that he would be staying after they sued him. But in any case, the free agency market's a wild thing right now. It's it's a ghost town. Um, if he's still bidding right now, like as of this when, was like as of like a week or two ago. If yeah, this is a few like exactly. a week or two ago. So I got if, he, if that's still happening, Prodigy's a lock. I'd say it right now. It's a lock. Yeah, there's just there's just no way you're doing that at this point. It's almost January. You'd have at least an inkling that you're leaving. I mean, this man is—he's staying at Prodigy. Yeah, that's that's what the new rumor is. So yeah, we'll we'll see. I think January is going to answer a lot of questions. Um, obviously January will answer a lot of questions. So I'm very excited. January might not answer all our questions, man. It might not. It might be another Ezra Eagle situation. But where it's like waiting. We're waiting forever. Yeah. Do you remember? Um, was it when? When was it? It was last year. Yes, the Gannon thing last year where he was carrying the random, like, unbranded bag at All-Star Weekend. At All-Star, yeah. We need that again this year. I want I want a guy, I want, like, a really good player to just go free agent for, like, the first two weeks of the season, like, win twice, and then <laughs> sign. Just absolutely prove it out there. That's funny. Yeah. All right, well, that's the off-season movement week. Like I said, not a lot of official, like, done deals, but... A lot of questions have started to be open about what's happening in January. Does so, Discmania or Discraft own the Channel brand? Who knows? We'll find These out. These are things you got to think about. Um, next week, we internally, Foundation, mainly Griplocked, will also have a special announcement during uh, next, weekend's, next week's episode. It'll yeah. be another Tuesday episode, you know, January 2nd. Um, but yes, you're, you're going to stay attention. tuned for that. All right, but it's time for a fan favorite segment Trevor's Trivia. Trivia with Trevor. All right. What do you got? Um, so I've got a fun little quiz here and it is, um, we're going to see if we can, oh, hold on a second. I lost it for a second. Oh no. Oh my gosh. 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 How many Trevor's trivias have we done? How many episodes have we done? We haven't done all 210 or something. Okay. Uh, oh, here we go. Okay. So I have a list here of all the countries that have a disc golf course um and your goal is going to be to I guess I I I, I usually plan these with uh, with an opponent in mind. I think this is me you versus the course today. Heck yeah. Um, your goal is to find the lowest population p- 
possible that has a disc golf course? The lowest population that has a disc golf course? Um, and we're going to, well, like you're going to pick a, a, a few and you're trying to stay under. And let's say, let's say you're trying to stay under, what's the USA population right now? USA population right now is 331.9 million. So I'm trying okay. to stay under that. So you're going to try and pick 10 countries that have a disc golf course and stay under 331.9 million. <sighs> okay, 10. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, first off, I'm going to go with Antarctica. Antarctica is not a country, I don't think. They're a continent. Is Antarctica a country? I don't know, but like they're a continent. Well, let's, let's I know they have in. a disc golf course. Let's enter it in. We have the quiz here. I just know that... What if imagine the Antarctica population is just is just massive? Oh, do you actually like click on it? Oh, so this is gonna be a geography thing for Trevor. Good luck. Oh, I'm I'm this is disastrous. Surely I can just like hold on a second. Can I just see all the answers? Oh, this doesn't this one doesn't have the number or the uh oh no, this works. This works just fine. Okay. Um I don't think they're listing that's just criminal. Antarctica. Okay. Let's. We need to Google this. We need to Google this. Is Antarctica because they country? have disc golf courses? Is Antarctica? It must just be a continent. A country. Who owns the territory? Um, Antarctica is a unique continent in that it does not have native human population. There are no countries in our in Antarctica. In Antarctica. So can we just go claim it? It's governed by about thirty countries. No. It's not a country, so you can't have Antarctica. Dang it. Okay, well, that was my only one I knew was going to be good. Um, okay. So that sucks. This is fun. Um, wow. Okay. Um, gosh, I have no idea. I have no you're gonna have idea. To just, you're going to have to throw it out there to get yourself a scale. Let's just go with Zambia. Okay. I know Zambia. there's a disc golf course there, but there's a lot yeah. of people in Zambia. Let's see what the Zambia population is. That was a dumb one. Zambia population. Is it like it's a lot of people? Condensed? I mean, it's not like crazy. Only, only 19 million. Yeah, but that's I've, that's half of my stuff. You have 330, 330 million. Okay. <laughs> so, but I, so I can average 30 million. Yeah. Okay. That's, that was a good start. Uh. But I, I need to figure out where disc golf courses are. <laughs> that's the hard part is I think of like certain countries well, and then some I don't countries think it's are like, course. even though. I don't know. Population density is always tough to know. I need to stay away from India. Yeah, well, there's not any. There's not really courses over that way. It's good. Um, I can't really think of anything else. Uh, let's go with. Surely there's. Wow, but Brazil would be so populated. Gosh, this is impossible. This is impossible. No, it's not. There's so many countries. Yeah, I don't know many countries. You gave me yeah, a geography one. No, but like, think about. Okay, like Europe, for example. There's a ton. That's like fair. Almost every, every, almost every country in Europe has a disc Okay, let's course. just go with Finland. Okay. Finland's probably a population of like 15 million. Let's see. Finland population. 5.5 million. Oh, this is great. Okay. We're going to oh, ride this wave. The only problem is I'm going to lose the... Like, Sweden's a country. Sweden's a country. Let's go with Sweden. Okay. Sweden has disc golf. We're just going to ride this population. wave. Stay in Scandinavia, 10 million. Yeah, this is great. This is great. Okay. Let's just stay over that way and find another country, huh? I've done Finland and Sweden so far. Yeah. Estonia. Is that in Finland? No. Estonia is not in Finland. It's its own country. Yeah. Give me that. Okay. Estonia population. 
is only 1.3 million. Yeah, this is great. Okay, I'm killing it right now. You're doing great. Okay, let's just you stay just have to avoid, over there. Avoid an absolute bomb. That's the. That's I feel the like character. if I stay in Europe, I'm probably golden. Some of them just might be really dense. Yeah, well, I'm gonna try to just avoid the big ones. <laughs> like and tourism, like drives people to some of these countries. Like I don't know. Well, tourism, tourism they won't count affect as the a population. City, population. I'm just saying they they might drive more people to live there. I don't know. Uh, Finland, Estonia, Sweden. Let's go Norway. There's that was the one, the other one you needed. Uh, okay, Norway population is five point four million. You're killing it so far. Uh, how many countries do I have? Is that um, five? I'm halfway there. Yeah, you're halfway there, and you are give way me, under. You just have to avoid a disaster. Give me Greenland. Is there a disc golf course in Greenland? I don't know. Uh, right now, I'm just no. trying to think of countries. No There's golf. no disc golf in Greenland. No. What are we doing as a sport? I'm scared of Iceland because Iceland's the actual Greenland, if that makes sense. Um, you know. Iceland. Hmm. But I feel like that can be really densely populated areas. You know, let's just do it. I've never met someone from Iceland. Iceland. Iceland, Iceland does apparently have a disc golf. Course. Let's go Iceland. I've never that's, met someone from Iceland, which makes me think it can't no, be that populated. A, that's a good one. Uh, that's how I'm Iceland doing this. Iceland population. Oh my gosh. They're massive. Three hundred and seventy thousand. Wow. That might be the best answer. You're 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 really finding your groove now. Okay. Okay. I thought this was gonna be impossible. No, it's, my you're, making, you're making this easy. I hit thought this would be way harder too. There's so many people in the United States. I should have gave you a hundred million. Let's go with. Um, I just can't blow myself. You're up gonna here. start. Yeah, you're gonna start running out of like the easy ones though. You know, but I think we're okay. Yeah, just start sending it at this point. I mean, you're so far under. Like you can't. I, I mean, at this point, you, Ireland. At this point, you should surely name like big countries and not run into. A I'm problem. not gonna try that. <laughs> Ireland population is 5 million. Okay, I like that. So easy. Um, is the United Kingdom or Great Britain a country? United Kingdom is. Mm -hmm. um, it would be the United Kingdom. Yeah. Give me that. He wants the United Kingdom. I want the United Kingdom. Kingdom. That's interesting. I've got enough that I got enough be... population to deal with here. Okay, this could be uh, this could either be way more or way less than I think it is. Okay, it's pretty big. 67 million. Yeah, I got enough to mess with that. Yeah, oh, for sure you do. Okay. Yeah, you're still under 100 million <laughs> total, and you have 330 million. Give me million Israel. Worth. Do they have a disc golf course? Yeah, I know they do, because someone messaged us about it. Hmm. Might not be listed on you. You may have to fact check that. I'm uh, pretty sure I know where I Israel is. I can just search. Yeah. I'm pretty positive it, someone. exist on you, disc? Your guide to disc golf in Israel. 60th best disc golf country has two courses. That's from you, okay. disc. Okay. Fair enough. Israel population, um, ten mil. Yeah, perfect. Okay. How many more countries do one, I have? One, two, do? three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. One more. You can literally name any country, probably in other than like a disastrous one. one more. Would... Ukraine. The Ukraine. Because that was another someone else messaged us about a disc golf course in Ukraine. There you go. That's gonna be easy. Ukraine population forty three million. I did it easily. I thought I wasn't going to be. I didn't use like half your total. Well, what was scary was I didn't think I was going to be able to name ten countries. I was just waiting for you to slip up and and drop in like, I don't know, like what's the population of like a Germany, for example? Like, is there? There's got to be some that are big. 
even that's only 83 million russia is pretty not densely populated like russia is massive but but their population is 140 million i'm starting to think the u.s is just like oh the u.s is very well what's what's china's population china population 1.4 billion yeah exactly (laughs) so you probably shouldn't have named that no well that's a stay away from china u.s the u.s is sleepers out there u.s is densely populated but there's like India's population we're, is probably we're, we're only densely populated in in, in certain, certain areas. areas That's too. the key. We drove over. Yeah, India is also India is also 1.4 billion. You uh you hear people talk about the like you know the whole country could fit in Los Angeles and you're like what? And then you drive across the West Coast and you realize just how much spaces exist in this country. Yeah. Yeah. So you have India, China, both at 1.4 billion, and then the U.S. at 340 million. And then like Indonesia, Pakistan, Nigeria, Brazil. Oh, I'm dude. glad Brazil I didn't name Brazil. Ended, I almost dude. named Brazil. Oh, that's what and I And I was like, no, I was like, no, Brazil is probably densely populated. That's 216 right. million. See, there is some sleepers in there. Okay. There was definitely, you just didn't run into it. Yeah. I just stayed away from them. I did good. Okay. That was impressive. <laughs> All right. You, you ran to Scandinavia. So on this past weekend, news broke. Um, this is from Ulti World and Natalie Ryan settlement. The PDGA drops pre-puberty transition rule for transgender women. So Ryan will be eligible to play at all 2024 and 2025 events. The PDGA and the DGPT were incurring significant legal expenses fighting these lawsuits. So, um, they basically dropped their rule. It was the part three of their rule. So the rule basically has reverted back to what it used to be mm-hmm. more or less. Um, this rule change goes into effect January 2024 and will be in place through at least the end of the 2025 season. Immediately makes Natalie Ryan and other transgender women who have gone through at least two years of hormone therapy eligible to compete in FPO at all PDGA events. The PDGA's decision to drop the controversial clause in, their, in the gender eligibility rules comes as part of a settlement with Ryan, who agreed to drop all pending lawsuits against the organization in California and Minnesota. Other terms of the settlement have not been made public. Um, and I, I don't know if they'll ever will be made public. So Ryan has already signed up for a 2024 tour card and intends to play at most DGPT and major events. Um, the quote in here says, I'm excited to announce that the PDGA, DGPT, and I have reached an agreement. All trans women will be equals at the elite level of it. again. This is my victory. I had to be ruthless to get them to listen. I'm glad I can put that side of myself away. Now I'm hopeful that our sport can start fresh and grow to be a place that truly welcomes and celebrates everyone. But you put the ruthless side away now. Yeah. She won't tell people to burn with them or whatever. Yeah, I don't remember what that statement was. Um, The PDGA wrote in their statement, the PDGA is not financially or logistically in a position to take the lead in a multi-state litigation on this topic, wrote the PDGA. For the first time in recent memory, the PDGA will end the year with a net operating loss, and it is not in the best interest of our members to continue to allocate resources to farther litigation. I love um, how they include us in there, the members, like as if we have anything to do with what the PDG yeah. does. It's not in the best interest of the members. We took a vote. <laughs> uh, and then the pro tour said, while the P- while the DGPT did not wish to see adjustments to the policy at this time, the tour recognizes the PDJ as the regulatory authority and governing body of the sport empowered to set these policies. It's become clear the sport of disc golf cannot bear the weight of adjudicating this issue on a national or international level at this time. Um, so both the PDGA and the DGPT said they'll continue to evaluate local, state, and federal laws as well as International Olympic Committee guidance on the issues they plan for competition rules in 2026 and beyond. So all the language of this Ulti World article and from what you'll see on the PDGA's website seem that 2024 and 2025, part of the settlement, locked. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's not going to be a change over this season or next season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. well, and so mind. they're looking into 2026. It yeah. definitely, if you read pretty, the PDGA statement, it's pretty obvious on both of them that it's just like, yeah, 
This isn't what we wanted to do, but we can't do it because we don't have enough money. Yeah, the PDGA statement, um, I'm trying to see exactly like how they... Yeah, the, the way they put it is just they're not financially or logistically in a position to take the lead and that they're going to operate at a loss for the first time. Um, and, and this is what the Pro Tour had expressed to me. I had heard, you know, like this is a really huge like legal dispute across the country across multiple sports right now and like disc golf just is not the one that can bear the weight there's not enough resources it does stink like in the sense that i i don't think like i don't i don't like that this is what it's come to like i would have rather there just been like an actual legal decision made i don't like the idea that it's just like well we ran out of money so now we have to settle like that's just kind of unfortunately a little bit of a bummer in the legal system is like if you don't have the like the people with the resources ultimately do win a lot of the times and the even larger bummer is like well natalie ryan was getting you know legal uh work for free so it's like yeah that's 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 kind of like the it's like well you know but you know i it is like disc golf is just not the ones to that we're ever going to be able to like afford the 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 expenses so yeah i guess we're back to where we were it sure was a whole lot of hubbub to get back to where we were <laughs> yeah well the uh so this was not met very well on social media um well so the side that which like i sympathize with them too because like they ran out of money yeah. You know, they have to, at the end of the day, we need a place to play. So, like, people saying, people coming after them, being like, oh, she, they didn't just, they didn't want to give up. They didn't have to even take this as far as they did. Like, they, they spent a lot of money. Yeah. So, the, obviously, the side that is backing and supporting Natalie Ryan, obviously, this was met with open arms. Makes perfect sense because Natalie Ryan, back on the Pro Tour in 2023, and not in uh, 2024, not just Natalie Ryan, but all transgender women are, well, not all, because there are still the two, uh, what you want to call them, stipulations or rules that have to be met, but all that were previously on the Pro Tour. Well, that have to be met, but aren't evaluated. Correct. As, <laughs> as, yeah. Are, are back on the Pro Tour. Um, so obviously met and received well that side, but then the side who has been vocal against it, this was not met well. Um, and like Trevor had said, I think it would be one thing if the PDJ just flip-flopped and basically just didn't give any reason or anything like that. But yeah. it, it's very obvious that like the PDJ and the Pro Tour even literally said like, this isn't the decision we wanted, we want to have made, but we understand. So like, it's kind of almost a weird thing because Natalie Ryan is welcomed back to the Pro Tour by rule, but not welcomed back to the Pro Tour by like uh like actually welcomed back if that makes sense yeah, no, like the is. people running the pro tour are still being vocal of like hey this isn't what we want but we're gonna have to do it so we're just gonna <laughs> put a smile on our face and do it anyways it, it is super weird it, it's well, kind of it's a lose-lose in that scenario like in that yeah. sense but what the pdga is now getting bombarded with is people you know threatening of they're taking their pdga memberships away and all this stuff and it's like is that's a tough one for me because I understand people being and Natalie Ryan even in um, her Instagram posts said like I have no problem people standing up like I am uh, I forget how she worded it but basically proud of people standing up for what they believe in because that's what she's doing as well um, the problem she had was more the wording uh, that was being used that's how she worded it you can read the whole Instagram post on her Instagram um, but the PDGA was standing up for what they believe in but they just couldn't or, and the pro tour as well but they couldn't financially afford yeah. to do so anymore well, they can't just bankrupt and themselves. so then like 
you have the people who also believed in that are now not being understanding at all is like so if you're one of those people if you're listening to this and you're like ticked off at the pdga ticked off at the pro tour for reversing this decision take a step back put yourself in their shoes like what were they supposed to do like like run everything into the ground and be left with nothing at all chasing after this like yeah i understand standing up for what's right and standing up for what you believe in but at the same time like there's sometimes you gotta you gotta sometimes uh, you gotta lose the battle to win the war or just like you gotta save a battle for another because it it seems almost like the wording they're using is basically like hey this fight should be fought and the PDJ and the Pro Tour have made it clear where they stand, where they're, where they believe in this fight. But they're basically saying we're not the ones that should fight this, which makes sense. Right. The disc golf were a growing sport. We, you know, obviously things have really taken off since 2020, since COVID. But like, there's still a long ways to go to be able to like, like if this was the PGA Tour or this was the NBA or like these, the big five sports, like mm-hmm. those sports could just endlessly chase what they believe to be right with like as much money as they want because they're dealing with billions with a b whereas this sport's dealing with millions with an m and at the end of the day the well just ran up for the pro tour and the pdj so if you're one of the people that's upset with that just like have some understanding of like this isn't what they were wanting to do necessarily they were forced into this decision and it doesn't mean well, that the battle's quote unquote over for the PDGA and the Pro Tour. It just means that they're not the ones that are going to do it anymore. Think, and then if you're on the flip side of that coin and you're excited with this, you should be because the rules have changed. And now Natalie Ryan will be back um, in 2024 on the FPO Tour as the most prominent figure that from all of this. But I think yeah. most people just read the read the headline because obviously it was just tweeted like PDGA reverses. Yes. It, nobody read the article because like once you read it, it was like, ah. Yeah, but man, I'll tell you what. One thing is, I am just terrified for the comment sections this year. Yes, oh it'll my be gosh. Because uh, if you remember, it's this is where ugly. this is kind of why the DGN pulled their live comments. And it was didn't they just announce they're bringing it back? I don't think so. I don't think they did. Yeah, I was say like it's gonna be oh gosh. Yeah, so it'll be yeah. an interesting 2024 and 2025 Our to say the least up for the chat moderators on the YouTube uh, yeah live streams. But there you have it. That's the update. You can read the full article on Ulti World. You can also head over to Natalie Ryan's Instagram post and read her statement on it. You can head to the PDGA to read their official statement and the Pro Tours put out an official statement. So if you read all of that, then you'll be caught up to speed on kind of where everyone's at um, within that. But that's the update heading into 2024. The other announcement that came out of the Pro Tour camp this weekend is they've announced All-Star Weekend details on December 20th. So the Pro Tour is pleased to announce an updated location and adjusted format for the All-Star Weekend. It will now take place at the Olympus Disc Golf Course, which they just leaked the name of Paul's new course in uh, Florida, formerly known as Grand Canyon. This is the same venue that will host the 2024 regular season opener at Chess.com Invitational the following weekend. How do you feel about the All-Star event happening and then at this course and then a week later a Pro Tour event happening at the exact same course? Um, I... I don't love it, but I'm also so indifferent to the all-star weekend that I don't know. Like it just doesn't really, I'm kind of like, eh, yeah, that's kind of weird. But like, I just can't, I can't get myself too fired up about the all-star weekend and anything regarding it because I don't really think that anybody cares that much about it. Um, until they put out a product that I'm like, oh, that was really fresh and interesting to watch. Like, I'm not just, I'm not going to get too wrought up about it because like, I don't really care where it happens 
if I had my choice, like I probably would not place it at the same place, uh, especially because it's. I think it's more so because it's a new course. I think that's why it like is worse. I think if it, at the first event of the year we're at Maple Hill and the All Star event we're at Maple Hill, I don't think anybody would really care that much. It's like we we've already seen the course a million times, anyways. It's the fact that it's happening on a new course, so it's weird that like the first reveal of the course is going to be at during an all-star weekend that I think is what makes it a little bit weird, but yeah, I, I mean, can't get too far about the all-star weekend. Oh yeah. Well, I disagree on the, I think that it's just, you have the all-star, the big chunk of all-star weekend is just disc golf being played on this course. Mm-hmm. I think that it's just, I don't think it's hard to wrap our heads around that. It's a bad idea to just have two events that we're trying to showcase disc golf at the same course and back-to-back weekends, because then it's just like, it's just boring. You have, yeah, here's mean, this course this weekend. Those who watch the All-Star Weekend, sick. Here are these pros playing this course, these holes. And then five days later, the start of the Pro Tour season, here's these pros playing this course on these holes. Like, that's just... It's like, I have no problem with it being in Florida. I think that makes sense. Just do it anywhere else. Any other course. Like, it doesn't have to be a super prestigious course, realistically, for the All-Star Weekend because it's an exhibition event. So, like... Yeah, it is. It is weird. I mean, I just well, don't. I just don't like the fact. Last like, year they rented out, like they used a golf course venue, so I'm sure it was, this is probably a budget cut thing. I'm gonna be really interested to see how many things happen this year from both the PDGA and the Pro Tour that just reveal more and more the amount of money that got washed out of them in legal fees last year. Like, because like they're like, well, last year we rented a golf course for. They're probably thinking, well, that's a pretty easy thing to cut out of the budget that we don't have to spend on, and that'll save us a little bit of money. Like that's we're probably gonna see that theme this year because they're just gonna have to. Yeah. So team captains will draft a team of players from the all-star roster to face off in both singles and double stroke play competitions. At the end of the weekend, the team with the most points is declared the winner. So that's the all-star game, if you will. So it's just singles and doubles stroke play. That's it. Um Ooh. then the skills challenge. They play revenge. They should. The skills challenge. Uh, will return in a new capacity. Instead of counting the skills challenge resor- results towards the overall team point, the putting distance and accuracy will be, host- accuracy will be hosted as separate events with a small number of additional touring pros invited to participate alongside the All-Stars. So this slightly expanded field will come compete for individual prizes in each category before all eyes turn to doubles on Saturday and singles on Sunday. So essentially it's kind of shifted a little bit so you'll be able to see more pros do distance and like kind of like the you know dunk contest, three-point shooting contest, yeah. stuff like that. Um, so that's kind of the plan for the all-star weekend this upcoming year. Um, and that'll be what kicks off the pro tour season, February 16th through the 18th. It's like, I, I think playing singles, I think is where it gets weird because like you think about the NBA all-star game or like any all-star game, what's the one thing that could possibly make those things exciting. It's like, we're going to do more dunks and trick plays and things like that. Like, so like doubles is kind of like that. Cause like you maybe give an opportunity for players to do more crazy things in doubles, but like, they're not really going to do that in singles. Like some guys might lean into it, but like, yeah, I think it's just, well, especially weird. when you're playing singles on a pro tour course that you're going to play next yeah, like week. They're trying to practice. Like this is a good practice round. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Oh, I have a little, I have like a yeah. little competition practice on the exact same course. I'm gonna yeah. see next weekend. It's, it's, I don't know. No, doubles, doubles make sense. Cause like, you have more fun with it. Collegiate doubles, I think, could be a, an interesting format for it. I just, where you see it to see, like, I because I, the All Star Weekend is about that, like exhibiting stuff you don't normally get to see. Yeah, that's the I, whole point. I just don't know. I'm kind of got to the point where I don't know that All Star Weekend needs to exist. But no, yeah, I don't see the. I think 
it's like a weird half start to the season. I think it'd just be better off if the first thing we got was the first pro tour event, everybody be super pumped for it. We don't have this weird, like in between, like, well, there's disc golf on, but the super bowl is tonight. <laughs> is um, the super bowl on the same night? Again? I don't know. I think we looked at it. What, when's the all-star weekend? I think the super bowl, 2024 super bowls on the 11th. It's the next weekend. Okay. So, so the weekend after the super bowl, they got that right. They got that right this year. Wait, it's the weekend after the super it's yeah. Super bowl is Sunday, February okay. 11th. This is the 16th or the 18th. There we go. Um, but yeah, I just don't know that it needs to exist. Like I get like, I just don't know. What are they trying to accomplish? Like they started it. And I guess the idea is like, we're going to reward these players, give them this fun. And like, they still got, I guess to get to compete for some prizes. So like there's that reward and like, you get to call yourself an all-star, but like nobody's walk around calling themselves. I mean, I'll be darned if I've ever heard anybody say, Oh man. Yeah. Gannon Burry's a three-time all-star. <laughs> Maybe we need to start. I was gonna say, that's the only way this <laughs> stuff like this happens is like, if, the commentary who like will lean into five-time world champ whatever if you started calling someone three-time all-star but it doesn't make sense in our sport yeah in golf in general like you're known by your titles player of the year and rookie of the year like you could you could you could sneak those in there for sure but like ultimately it's gonna be how many majors have you well that's what i think in an individual sport the individual player is in control directly in control of how many titles they win in a right. team sport, you can be a really good individual player, and if you just get shafted by your team, you, yeah. just, you might have no so control. The kind of so the all-star makes them. sense because it's like, hey, you weren't quite good enough to be the MVP, which yeah. is the individual award, but you're one of the top 12 players on either the East or the West, or how you know for baseball it's different, for football, pro bowl it's different, to where like we can highlight some individual players that they aren't going to win the Super Bowl, they aren't going to win the the like NBA championship, yeah. maybe, they might, but at least you have a chance. So like you can be known as a 12-time All-Star who you never won an NBA championship or MVP. Right. It's like that. But if you're a 10-time All-Star in disc golf and you don't have any other accolades to your name, that's a problem. Cause like, yeah. You're a 10-time All-Star in disc golf, so for 10 years you were good enough to be one of the top 12 players, but you didn't win a single Pro Tour major or this, Tour championship title. This is where they just need to go ahead and turn the All-Star event into the Manufacturer's Cup. It's time. They, I, you know, I, I think bet be you fun. people would watch that. People would. Yeah. People would watch that. People would watch that. You'd have, and you'd have all the. Uh, then you'd you'd really give a hard deadline for all the manufacturers to announce their new signings, and you'd be like, "Oh man, Simon on MVP this year. Team MVP just got so good." That's the other thing is like it, it kind of like let's say Eagle McMahon. I don't remember if Eagles in the All Star event, but let's just for this sake of my next sentence, Eagles in the All Star event. Eagle McMahon signs with MVP. And like the display of his first throws with his new sponsor, new bag is like at the all-star event. Yeah. When like, he doesn't really care what happens. It's interesting. Yeah. That's tough. All but stars. Hey, all-star weekend's happening all-stars. 2024 and it's happening in the same place. So if you want to get like a little preview of what exactly is going to happen the next weekend, there you go. You just watch the all-star weekend. Final thing to talk about to wrap up the show here, the ultra world fandom survey released their, how fans feel about media and commentators, how they consume the sport um. So first off, they have the amount of times there were appearances uh, for major playoff elite and silver events for commentary teams. Um, Ian Anderson, I believe, appeared the most with ten total appearances, other than Zoe Ann Dyke for FPO. She appeared at I think all of them with sixteen. Um, Nate Doss was at nine. Philo Brathwaite was at nine. Terry Miller was at nine. Um, so that was just their appearances. 
and then average fandom score. So biggest raw commentator and what is number five? What does that mean? Commentator average fandom score removes all scores from of five from each commentator's average. Oh, so I guess if they just say they're average, it removes that from them. Interesting. Okay, anyway, so the average fandom score for Nate Sexton was 8.95. Brian Earhart came in second at 8.07. Jeremy Colling at 7.5. Madison Walker, 7.1. It's interesting how all the top people are color, it looks like. Yes. Uh, play. Brian Earhart does play-by-play he, he does and color. Some. The best solo play-by-play guy via the fans is Terry Miller at yeah. 7.19. Charlie Eisenhood's right below it at 6.58. Um, raw average Philo Brathwaite Nate Perkins they're all t- Ian Anderson and Grant Zellner are the two lowest play-by-play guys Ian at 6.13 Grant at 5.38 which I thought Grant did an okay job I thought he did it as well uh, Nate Doss was the overall just lowest 4.99 that's lame you guys are lame dude. yeah it's tough I love Nate Doss he he gets a little excited but you know what yeah <laughs> <laughs> I like I, Doss. I love I, Doss. Honestly, I'm glad this year reflects more what I thought. Like, because I remember last year looking at the survey and be like, "Huh," but like this year it makes more sense. Like, I I think um, I think that Terry is the best. And when you have like Terry, Brian Earhart, Sexton, like Nate Perkins, those, those that's a good crew. And I don't like Philo and Ian. I think they're not good. And the survey kind of agrees. Yeah. Year. So Nate Doss, it seems, is basically just kind of even across the board if you look at the chart like he is kind of like not like he's pretty even grant zellner he just has a ton of people with a five did did we answer this part of the survey i don't remember it. i think so i guess so um they also have the number of survey participants that started following disc golf per year and so very heavy 2020 with 680 of the survey percent participants (laughs) 2021 was 430 2019, interesting, was 396. So, like, 2019, 20, 2021, and then you had 265 in 2023, or in 2022 being the next biggest, and then people who just started this year was only 50. Good stuff, man. Young sport. Um, Grow it. Let's see where my year stands here. Where's your year? 12, 13, 14, 15. 104 of us 2015 represent. 2013. 2013, Trevor? Let's see where Trevor's at. 48 of you. Let's go. Now, do you prefer to watch live or post-produced um 38 of people said live that answered the survey uh which was a seven percent increase over 2022 hey nice uh 17 said it depends on the event which is a seven percent decrease over 2022 um and 21 said post-produced which was a 20 which a two percent decrease um 11 said it depends on which event and which round, but I lean towards post-produced, which was a 12% decrease. So increase in amount of people watching live, decrease in amount of people watching post-produced. The and then 52% of people said they subscribe to DGN all year round. 14% said they subscribe part of the year on a month-to-month basis. Mm. Um, 22% said they watch the free coverage and post it on YouTube. And 10% said they don't watch DGN at all. Then this was another interesting part. What do you think of the Pro Tour on a scale to 1 to 10 and the PDG on a scale to 1 to 10? So the 2023, you have... Uh, this is like the... What do they call the presidential... Uh, like your... Gosh, the rate, the percentage of like your approval percentage. Yeah. This is your. Uh, this is the approval rates. I wish the, you could uh, see... The um, Pro Tour and the PDG. So this just has like how many people voted by number. So it doesn't give them a like... 
Why does scale? It not do that? I don't know. Probably because they don't want to show that. Um, well, we can do the math ourselves. So the PDGA or the Pro Tour for 2023, 23% of people gave the Pro Tour a 10, whereas only 14% gave them a 10 last year. But the biggest one for the PDGA or for the Pro Tour was 27% uh, of people gave the PD or the DGPT, wow, an eight, which is like spot on the same as last year. The PDGA actually shows a slight increase in most of the categories this year over last year, um, especially the higher categories, but their heaviest one was a seven, um, which was a 2% decrease from last what? year. So seven for the PDGA, eight for the DGPT was the most voted answer. Um, and then how closely do you follow MPO? Was basically 30% of people said 10. How closely do you follow FPO? 23% of 18% of people said eight. And I believe that's all the information there. So the Phantom ultra survey. phantom survey, you know, you there's that, there's that other up. It's basically the phantom survey every year is me being like, Oh, wow. Interesting. Cool. And being like, I don't do the information. Yeah. There's not really much information. Sometimes, it's kind of, it's sometimes, fun to know. It's just fun to know. I, usually I feel like this year it's really just confirming what I suspect. Oh, that's because it was basically the foundation survey this year. Next ah. year, next year is going to really yeah, so confirm Next year is going to be the foundation survey V2 <laughs> when we really flood it. Uh, all right, let's wrap it out with the Silas Selects for this week. Okay. So if you haven't watched the show in recent weeks, basically we've been having Silas just put a random mold into this box and we guess what mold is in the box yeah. with the hope of just getting one right. Okay. That's it. Trevor, what's your guess this week? Oh my gosh, dude, this is difficult, man. I'm going to say... <sighs> Sometimes the strategy with this could be you just say the same one every time. That's true. I'm not going to do that, though. I'm going to be a bounce around guy. I'm going to say. <sighs> Silas is watching us. The that is going to be a prodigy. A three. A three from prodigy. I'm going to firebird. I'm going to firebird. Okay. Oh, that's a loss. Oh, a loss. I don't know why we both reacted like we were really close. Did we I guess that at some point? No, I don't know. I just feel like no. that was a gettable feeling one. Mid. It's going to feel like that, that was every, a, It's going to feel like that every That was week, a gettable though. one, though. Like, last week was the bullet. That's a harder one. The wasp, was, I mean. Right, it hid in plain sight, though. Dang, that's Silas tough. is a master at this, yeah. man. We're All never right. going to guess we haven't, it. We haven't got it yet. You want know, to pick up a wasp, you can head to foundationdisc.com. Other than that, Great we'll disc. be back here, same time, same place, next week. Another Tuesday show to kick off the new year. You're going to want to tune in for a huh. little grip lock announcement. Yeah. Big time, so we'll see you then. Oh, yeah.